Hi, you guys want some cookies? 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 Oh yeah, welcome to another edition of the Throwback Podcast. The podcast for you, person born in exactly 1980. I'm Dan Hansis, joined as I always am by my bosom buddy, Bubby Castro and Hip Hey Dan, oh my god, it's so good to hear Chris Catan's voice again. And and yours, but like mostly it's been a long time since I've heard Chris. Yeah, you know, we, we have so much to catch up on. First of all, we're doing this remotely. You're in Atlanta working on the new season of Lego Masters. Um, I'm here in Los Angeles uh, in my home in the new garage with the umlaut, of course. Uh, and Chris Kattan, his, his career, a little shot in the arm here uh, on that dopey reality show he's doing. But I haven't been following the season or how he's doing. Um. Well, I mean, much like most of Chris Kattan's endeavors, we need to talk about it in the past tense. Oh, no. It was, it was very in and out. In fact, you and I, I think in the Arctic Monkeys episode, we did talk about it at the beginning. And by the time it was, we were ready to post the episode, I had to cut it out because he had already been kicked off the show. Oh. And we were talking about it in present tense. So it, it already didn't fit. So Chris cannot catch a break unless he falls on the set of SNL and breaks his neck. <laughs> That's the, his last big break. <laughs> Things have been How are you, Bob? How is life down there in uh, A-Town, as Usher I'm, once said? I'm good. Uh, hot are you pouring yourself a hot bottle of Chardonnay? I'm pouring myself. I don't have any beer in the house. Uh, you know, I'm trying to be classy. But I'm also staying in an Airbnb, so I don't have any glasses in the house. So I'm going to pour some red wine into a coffee cup so I could enjoy this uh, podcasting experience with you. You know, n- now I really wish you were here because you know what I have? What's that? A fresh batch. Straight from Connie Fox from the source. Oh, yes, you heard that right. The official beer sponsor of the throwback podcast, (laughs) Faith American Ale. Wow. Born in the Catskills. (laughs) Founded by Kelsey Grammer, your mortal enemy. And I'll be reading again. My mortal enemy. My mortal enemy who makes a damn fine pint. Faith American is inspired by these mountains and the countless days of recreation and comfort they have given us. My family and I invite you to enjoy this beer. Donald Trump, 2024. Please. Yeah. I mean, you know, a portion of the proceeds go towards that. Please, when you said that it came directly from the source, please tell me Connie hit Kelsey up directly and asked for more. Uh, apparently it keeps on showing up at her house. <laughs> she she sat in on the around the NFL podcast this week. And uh, yes, she said it keeps on coming. And she's now starting to understand the gravity of the decision to give her home address to a man who married 15 blondes that look exactly like her. Right. I mean, at this point, Gonzo must just be like, it's inevitable. It's like that. It's a runaway train that you just can't stop. Um, all right. So we got our Faith American <laughs> Ale. And I, I want to say, Bob, uh, there's a lot going on here. First of all, mm. today's episode, we are hitting the Foo Fighters again. Very sad, obviously. Taylor Hawkins, the drummer of Foo Fighters, uh, since their third album way back in 1999, passed away suddenly um, on tour, which was that was another one of those, Bob. You know, these now that we're getting older, um, it's one thing when the older guys go. 
not that Taylor Hawkins was that young. He was 50, but he certainly didn't seem like he was a 50 year old. We lose the guy that was, uh, it was a good write up in the LA times that um, Dave Grohl was the heart of Foo Fighters, but Taylor Hawkins was the rock star. And like, yeah. that is it, it. And it allowed me, unfortunately to step back and, and really take a, a deeper view of their work over these last couple of weeks. And it's crazy that they are the defining rock band of the past 25 years. And we do a uh, primarily rock and roll podcast based on music of the past 25 years, a little bit underappreciated by us in real time. Uh, the Foo Fighters. Yeah. You're nay. Yeah, no, I think so. I mean, I think we, we obviously we've we've done two of their albums. We did the first album and then the color and the shape uh, on this pod because those were huge albums in the '90s. Um, but I think that they just became one of these bands that you just kind of took for granted that they were there. They were they were selling out arenas. They were touring. They were getting radio hits on rock radio. That you know it's not mainstream anymore. It's not like crossing over to pop or anything. But they were having these rock hits and. It, it almost felt like a little like broadcast TV to be a Foo Fighters fan. It was mm, almost like okay. you, you're that. still watching, you know, the blacklist on CBS or whatever, when like you could be watching uh, something streaming on Apple Plus to promote your wife's uh, venture. So, um, yeah, it just kind of felt like they were like the one that you just knew was going to be there. They were broadcast television and uh, they were doing great stuff that was just overlooked by people <laughs> like us who were always looking for the next thing. And I, yeah, I think that's well said. Also, the fact that we were so on the ground floor with Foo Fighters because we came of age during the era of Nirvana and you and I sat outside Tapeville in Nanuet, New York, uh, the day that album came out, the debut album that Dave Grohl played every instrument on and, and purchased it because it was just this was almost like the first Nirvana record after Kurt. And so I remember we talked about it on the show being a little bit let down in the moment. Uh, but here they are. All these years later, that came out in 95, they became this durable uh, rock band, great touring band that you could trust that always put out uh, good radio singles. And they kind of don't have a peer in their generation. So I think that's today's episode accomplishes two things. First, shout out Taylor Hawkins and the legacy that he leaves behind, because we're going to talk about... um, all of the albums uh, or the song, our favorite songs from the albums where Hawkins joined the band. So uh, everything from There's Nothing Left to Lose onward, and we're going to kind of put together our choices, our favorite songs of the past uh, 20-some-odd years of Foo Fighters. So we do that. We honor Hawkins. And, yes, we talk a little more Foo Fighters who deserve the uh, third show treatment, uh, given the nature of our show and what they've accomplished. So I think we're nailing this one, Bob. I mean, I think we're like, we're really good guys. The way when you put it that way, it sounds like we're just like stand up dudes. You know who else is a good guy? Kelsey Grammer and Faith American (laughs) Ale. Faith American is inspired by these mountains and the countless days of recreation and comfort they have given us. My family and I invite you to enjoy this beer. I don't know about his ex-wives. Are they part of the family? Is is Colleen's name on the can yet? Did he just (laughs) pencil her in? Oh, wait. If you look closely, her her face is superimposed in the sky. (laughs) Maybe that's why he keeps on sending the cans. That explains a lot. I thought you were to say a great guy is our guest producer for this episode. Ah, uh, yes. For the first time ever. Yes, we have a producer. Bob, what is this? What is this professionalism that's I, coded all over our product right now? I don't know. This this is weird. 
welcome. Yes, you know him as Gravedigger from the Around the NFL podcast, but these are totally different intellectual properties, so that is not his nickname here. Here he is, Bob. My well, he brother? looks like your little brother. So uh, <laughs> Bob's little brother, Justin Graver. What's up, buddy? Not much. I'm excited to be here with you guys. Thanks for letting me do this. You're on a bit of a ATN uh, crash course here. Excuse me, a throwback pod uh, crash course here. Um, and so far, so good. Thank you for helping us out. We've we've tried to do remote shows before, and they always go terribly shitty. Uh, yeah. So we thought maybe we could bring in a professional to to clean this thing up. No, I'm so excited because I've had to produce these or tech, quote unquote produce these episodes in the past. And I mean, I'm just happy somebody else has to take out Dan's, you know, 12 minute diatribes against against his enemies and all of the terrible things he says that can never be uh, played for anybody. So I'm right. glad that's not falling on me this time. My, my support of the original Washington football team name. Every episode. Bob every episode would go off that. for like half an hour sometimes, just uninterrupted, like Alex right. Jones. Yeah. <laughs> so. so, yeah, be ready on that bleep button, uh, Mr. Graver. <laughs> and thank you. You got it. All right. A couple things before we get into our Foo Fighters playlist, Bob. Um, the pandemic is at this time it has loosened a bit to the point where we are uh, able to go to concerts and um and not even wear masks if you sh- so choose although some people still are yeah they think that we're, we're living bv we're between variants so. between variants I- i'll take that yeah. I'll, I'll take that and i so i have since really we've seen each other last bob i've seen war on drugs mm-hmm. at the shrine with my wife that was excellent then the wife's birthday came up took her over to the forum to see john mayer Ooh, of he did. man, does he play guitar? <laughs> he can bend those strings. And he also did the thing where, and it always makes me think of the first concert we went to together, Bob, uh, Counting Crows and Cake at the Beacon Theater in New York. And uh, after your dad gave us a ride home and I got dropped off at like 1230 at my house and I w- had to tell my parents that I was home. My dad, who had a very limited knowledge of Counting Crows in their catalog, but he did know one song. So he kind of he's basically in a dead sleep. I say, Mom, Dad, I'm home. And my dad goes, they play Jones. And I go, no. Say like, what? They didn't play Jones. Those finks. He was so mad. Mm-hmm. You got to play Mr. Jones. Gotta. John Mayer's got to play Gravity. I'm sorry. I need to hear Gravity if I'm going to be paying $300 for two tickets to see John Mayer. Give me Gravity. Do you think Gravity's at that that Mr. Jones level for Mayer? Do you think that's his? Can I tell you something? I I believe Gravity be one of the better songs um, of the of that decade. I, you're, I mean, I adore Gravity. You're technically the biggest John Mayer fan I know. So anything you say, <laughs> I'll take as gospel. Um, and then Bob last weekend, and this one was bittersweet because this would have been a perfect uh, Dan and Bob bosom buddy date. I went and saw Inhaler, I know, Baby Bono's I'm, band. I'm so jealous. Uh, at this nice, like, intimate downtown venue. And that, I'll tell you what, Bubby, that was a scene. I was yeah. not expecting. They are full on for their audience, however big it is. And it was it, was, it filled out this place in L.A. Um, they are matinee idols. Wow. So it was like it was like a hard day's night when they took the stage and they the wouldn't whole- get the, the, the fans wouldn't get that reference that you just made. That was a like <laughs> no, man reference. Wouldn't. To they a young would not. Yeah. But so that was jarring how young the crowd was, how how there was all sorts of uh, 
kind of deep callbacks, like certain songs had things that were thrown on stage and different chants and people dressed up in certain outfits. And I was like, what is going on here? And then I want to touch on two things that, again, speaks to how old we are. Um, Before the show, it was it was probably about 70 percent people, 25 and under. And then there was this like 20, 20 percent, 20 to 25 uh, percent of the crowd, which were clearly U2 fans. And then there was like a percentage of that crowd that were women who were probably in a weird place because I was watching a a group in front of me where like probably during Zoo TV, they probably were like, Bono, I love him so much. And now Bono's 23-year-old son is singing and he's a handsome young guy. And I'm wondering, does that translate? Are they now doing the same thing with Bono's son? And isn't that, there's something off there, right? I mean, I would love to do a documentary on these women. (laughs) I, I just I want to know everything about is it a mother thing? Is it a trying to reclaim their their youth type thing? What's going on at the inhaler concert? I don't know. Um, and then I'll, I'll I'll say this. So, yes, I, I was by myself, as we called it growing up, uh, Van Peebles for the yep, Mario Solo. Van Peebles film Solo that no one's ever seen. No one. Not uh, even us. We've never seen it. I did appear to be a chaperone to one of the teen girls there. And I just, you know, I just lived with that reality. There's nothing I could do about it. I'm I'm getting older and I look it. Um, and at one point, uh, as the concert's getting closer, 9 p.m. start, they only played for about 70 minutes or so because they only have one album. It was very good, Bob. Those kids have a chance. Yeah. I- I'm not about to go crazy and say they're the next big thing because they could turn into Rooney. But... There's something there with that band, I think. I've been, I've been, you know me, I've been banging this in Heller drum hey. for some time. They're great. I thought you were doing it ironically initially, and I think you were. No. But now that but, I've listened to it, I, I see if you were coming at it from an actual straightforward. I mean, when know. I called them my favorite band and said that your favorite band's my favorite band's dad, that was maybe like a little <laughs> strong, but I did always like the music. So I'm jealous that you got to see them. They were here in Atlanta, like right before I got here. So oh, I, missed, no. I missed them. We'll, we'll see them again uh, because, yeah, they, they were really good. And so anyway, the two songs that are played on the PA, a really good playlist is playing before it was it almost deserves its own throwback podcast. Whoever put it together did fine work. This song comes on. And as soon as you hear that, the whole place goes nuts. Yeah. And I'm like, what's going on here? I'm going back to 505. Is this a new song that everyone's listening to? And then everyone's singing all the words. Okay. Are the lights down at this point? Like lights? They're, they're, about, they're about to come out? The lights are not down yet. Oh, wow. Okay. But... All these people like are celebrating this song, okay? Yeah. And then, so there, everyone's singing the words, and then the song reaches a different point and hit that graver. So to this point, things are under control. People are into the song, and then when we get to this portion of the song, listen into it a second. Unlike anything that I could describe to you in a pre-show uh, playlist playing, people going absolutely mad. It's called 505. It's the best Arctic Monkey song. 
and uh, I had to lean over to the young teenager next to me and say, who is this? What is this? And she said the name of the song. And I looked up, looked it up and it came out in 2017. And she's like, leave me alone, narc. <laughs> exactly. So then that's the second to last song. Then the last song before the band comes out um, starts playing. And you'll know this one immediately, Bob. And oh, wow. the same reaction, only a little bigger. Because maybe the audience, because they've maybe been following Inhaler. I don't know what's going on with these Inhaler fans. Because they know this is the last song. They're screaming every word and jumping up and down. And then that's when I realized, because I know this song, Mr. Brightside, is huge in the UK. Right. And, and I, I think what it is, I was thinking about it, how this song became a song, a song that came out in 2004 has, like, touched so many younger people. Is it our version of our generation's Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi? I think it is. I think when we were in college, point. that was the song that would come on it came out 13 or so years earlier from when we got to school. Right, when we were but like we six all years it. old. Right, it came out when we were like six. These people are probably all like four or five when this came out. So I think that's what they have, which is pretty good. Pretty good. So, the youth so that was my okay. experience with the kids. <laughs> I like your Alone at a concert. I like your report from the outside. Here's what the kids are doing these days. By Creep 40- report. <laughs> I so uh, yesterday I was uh, I was you know alone here in Atlanta, and I had to do a little bit of writing. So I found a coffee shop in Decatur, which is a little town nearby. I was like, let me hit this coffee shop. Turns out it was right next to Emory University, big okay. beautiful school out here. So uh, after I was done, threw my uh, computer in the car. It was a beautiful day out, and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna walk around campus for a little bit. Oh no, Bob. Blend in with the youths of America. Oh, no. Speaking so, of narcs. So I, I walked out of the campus and I like found like the quad. Oh, no, just Bob. Don't go to the quad, dude. Went to the quad. No, dude. Sat down in the quad and just like relaxed for a little bit. Oh. And, uh, you know. <laughs> Unless like, you're a look- tenured professor that people know <laughs> and trust. No grown no, ass man like, in his 40s should be in the quad. They were probably like, who's that junior, maybe senior, kind of <laughs> hanging out. But um, that, What's so Justin that, Graver's grandfather doing there? So then, as I was walking, I passed by a banner, and I'm going to hold it up to the camera right now so you can see it. I passed by a banner that reads, get ready to make your mark, class of 26. <laughs> and that number 26 felt like an attack. It was just such a big two and six. From and the class of like, 02. Is that a typo? Like 26. That's that's ridiculous sounding. But uh, yeah. And then once I realized exactly what was happening, I ran to my car and drove home as fast as I could. <laughs> just before the police showed up. Just before the police. One step ahead, <laughs> like always. Uh, all right. Well, we've done our catching up. Uh, just <laughs> that, that was a bad idea from the start, Bob. And I'm just glad you got out of there. It was, oof, man. All right, so the Foo Fighters. Yes, it's sad that we've lost Taylor Hawkins, but we will celebrate the music of um, a strangely, I'll just speak for myself, underrated band. I And I'll say this, Bob, before we get into the first song here. Actually, no, why don't we get into it, Bob? Yeah, and, let's get into and it. And we, well, we did, to, we built this out. We, uh, Bob, you sent me nine songs. I thought of like, what are nine songs that I like? This is now, again, post uh, Color in the Shape. So starting with the third 
Foo Fighters album. And I came up with nine. We ended up uh, matching on three of them. So we have six each that we've chosen. So we're going to go through 15 uh, Foo Fighters songs uh, in the Taylor Hawkins era, as it will forever be, 1999 to 2022, and celebrate the band and the man and uh, all that. And why not start with the song that really kind of cemented Foo Fighters as um, the most well-known and and popular um, hard rock band of the era. Learn to Fly, the first single off There Is Nothing Left to Lose, released October 18th, 1999. It is the second highest charting song by Foo Fighters in the Hot 100. It peaked at number 19, which kind of speaks, Bob, to um, the rock world that the Foo Fighters matured into, the idea of having a big hit as a rock band uh, by the time the turn of the century came was like cracking the top 20. Uh, That's a big deal for a rock band to be able to do that. And uh, this is kind of like their, to me, I always thought it was like their most straight ahead radio rock song. And for because of that, it's more of a modest pleasure for me. But these are not easy songs to create because they're memorable and they endure. Yeah, I mean, being able to create any sort of hit is not easy. And it's crazy that this is coming from the guy who just five years earlier was putting Found, out. Founded the dad bots. Oh, you're not, base- you're not talking about yourself. Oh, no, no, no. I can't tell anymore. Like, the similarities between me and Dave Grohl are just, it's kind of tough for me to even know the difference these days. But, um, no, thinking back to, like, the first Foo Fighters album, that wasn't, you know, at the time, alternative rock was mainstream, but it wasn't kind of this accessible sound that I think could span generations, whereas, like, that song, this song is just a pure rock and roll song, whether you're... 45 or 25, it sounds like a classic the first time you hear it. Mm, Turn this up, Justin. Greg Cott of Rolling Stone referred to the song as a guilt-free power ballad. Uh, that's a, that's an interesting way to put it. And uh, Kerrang ranked the song number eleven on their list of twenty greatest Foo Fighter songs. That's about right. That's probably where I yeah. would have it too. Um, but it's a great way to kick off our playlist. Yeah, it's like if you're if you're talking about songs about flying from the turn of the century, it's a less cringy "Fly Away." <laughs> like I give me give me this any time over Lenny Kravitz. It's funny because I saw Lenny Kravitz. I watched um, exactly seven minutes of the Grammys. Okay. on uh, Sunday night and Lenny Kravitz came out uh, to deliver the album of the year which seemed a little lofty uh, to give him that pop and 
Uh, let me say, Lenny, Lenny Kravitz looks amazing. I mean, he's got to be close to 60 at this point, right? He still yeah. looks like he's 34 and he was wearing like all leather and he of had course. the dreads again and the sunglasses. But at a certain point, you start to just look like a museum character. And I was like, <laughs> you're not a real human being anymore, right? Lenny, what, we can age out of this outfit at some point. I know you could still pull it off. Yeah. I mean, but should well, you? I mean, when I'm when I'm 64 looking as good as Lenny, then, yeah, I'm still going to wear wear these like super tight leather pants that I'm wearing right now. Of course. <laughs> he's 57, by the way. Wow. He's going to be 58 uh, in he's, May. He's finally aging into his name. <laughs> he's, he's such a Lenny Kravitz now. Now he's really um, a Lenny Kravitz. Uh, so that, that's a good way to kick things off. And I think that um, another point I wanted to make was that with Learn to Fly being a, a perfect example, I am not putting the Foo Fighters in Tom Petty's category because Petty was another level as an artist. However, I think there is something to be said. And I, when I was putting together this playlist, and this doesn't even include all the songs we love off the first two albums, this playlist of 15, um, they had that petty quality where every album cycle, every two or three years, he dropped one or two big radio hits. And mm -hmm. then he's they've hung around long enough where you stack one or two hits every three years for 20 plus years, bang, you have like an unbelievable like uh, set list of songs that everyone knows. Uh, which there are not many bands that could do that. So they they are in that category of the bands that could pull that off, that could play a whole concert of hits. Yeah. Credit. It's insane. Respect. Insane. Speaking of hits, here's another one, Bob. You had it on your list and so did I. Great start to this one. Very Led Zeppelin-y. Nice, Bob. A rock historian, they call you. Now we don't have to ever listen to Led Zeppelin now that I said that. We're safe now. No. Plus, you took that history of rock and roll class at Towson University in 1977. So. <laughs> Not too far off. Closer to 77 than today. Yeah. All right, here we go. Yes, The Pretender. It's about to get crazy. single from the 2007 album Echoes, Silence, Patience and Grace. The Pretender peaked at number 37 on the Billboard Hot 100, making it their third top 40 single at the time. And um, one of the great, um, again, just a great rock song. Like, at a time when there was just, you know, dribble around them, dribble around them for the most part. They were always there, a dependable band. You could count on them to drop a song like this. Doing their thing, like just continuing to do their thing and not bend to whatever was cool at the time. Like 
thank God they didn't put out like a block party album in 2006, like where they were trying to be like dancey and right. throw some synths in there to compete with the killers. Like they just continued to do their thing the whole time. And it's funny you should say that because their last album, I remember during the promotional tour hearing some, well, this is the first dancey Foo Fighters record. And I was like, uh-oh. Well, no, they did that whole like ABBA thing. Well, no, the, the one. Before uh, that. Uh, yeah, the, the last kind of full length they had was their most quote unquote danceable record. I was like, that doesn't sound good. But then you listen to it and it's like, oh, OK, there's nothing embarrassing here. They just right. incorporated some different elements. Uh, if you if you want to kind of um, if you want to explain why maybe you don't like Foo Fighters so much is that there was a sameness to their sound that they didn't really innovate. But maybe sometimes that's not what you want. You know, maybe it's yeah, good I mean to just have a, a sound and you stick with it. Yeah, to have a sound is probably more valuable than anything. Right. All right, let's listen a little bit more. Definitely learned a thing or two from uh, his old bandmate there, the quiet, loud dynamics that made Nirvana uh, legendary. That's it's funny. Nice. Talk, yeah, talking about the the dancing thing, like thinking back to the last Pearl Jam album, who if there's any any band that's a contemporary of the Foo Fighters that has stuck around, it's Pearl Jam. There but you go. With Gigaton, you know, they put out a single called Dance of the Clairvoyance, which was for Pearl Jam experimental. It was very like mm-hmm. David Bowie-ish. And... You know, there was immediate blowback of like, what is this? This is weird. This doesn't sound like them. They're trying to be like everything else. And then their next single uh, was Super Blood Wolf Moon. And that sounds like a classic, like spin right. the black circle kind of Pearl Jam song. And then everybody was like, oh, this sounds like old Pearl Jam. Why are they trying? It's like you can't win when you get when you're around for 30 years and you're you're existing and putting out new stuff like you're going to have blowback from both directions, no matter what yeah. you do. No, that's true, and that's why. And like that, when we're doing that, when we're doing this pod in another twenty-four years, like we're gonna be like, oh, why can't we win? It's just like everything we do, people are like upset. Please tell me, Bob, we're not doing this pod in another two years. Oh, you, you said twenty-four years. Twenty-four years. Okay. Two. Two what? Two years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, two years, and then you know maybe we'll take a break, and then another twenty-two and a half years. <laughs> Uh, all right, so two bangers right out the gate. Uh, Graver, get in here a second. Where where do you come down on uh, Foo Fighters? I'm curious. I'm a big Foo Fighters fan. I I like. It wasn't a band that I sought out and listened to a lot, but they'd be on my playlist, and I I mean I've been rocking out to the two songs he played so far. There you go. See, Justin, who's younger than us by a decade, is in a similar place. Maybe more than a decade? Uh, well, he turns his camera off, so we can't see him rocking out, but I, I believe you. <laughs> I believe that there's just like shit getting broken over there. Yeah, there oh, we go. <laughs> he's just going absolutely mad. Just insane. Um, all right, let's keep rolling. Let's keep rolling with these like great radio hits. Again, just like Petty, every time a new Foo Fighters album comes out, you know that first single is going to be locked and loaded and be a great radio rock single, but not in some 
some type of uh, cynical way. It just was like they were good at it. They are good at it. Foo Fighters with Dave Grohl out front. And of course, Taylor Hawkins in the back end were great at it. And I think this is their best pure radio single, a single, Bob. Let's listen in. I've got another confession to make. I'm your fool. Everyone's got their chains to break. Holding you. Will you bother and say, don't be abused? Is someone getting the best, the best, the best, the best of you? somewhere to hang my head without your noose what a line this is a dan foo fighter song like it yes, makes it, sense that yeah it was interesting putting together the playlist that there was a certain type of foo fighter song that i was drawn to and you were drawn to different type of foo fighter songs so which maybe that speaks to maybe they're not all the same maybe there's different maybe there's two types of foo fighter songs <laughs> but well, that's better than just one a lot of evolution so far in this episode. Uh, I was lucky enough to see Foo Fighters uh, one of the Super Bowl weekends and uh, they put on an awesome show and this song that was really memorable and then I saw an interview with Grohl and he had said that and I remember hearing the same thing uh, from Bono Sr. about Where the Streets Have No Name that Best of You is their song that no matter what, how the night's going if the crowd's dead if the band's having an off night when Best of You is played, it's the crowd's going to go off and the, the concert is going to be okay at that point. And I just think it's not just a great radio song, but an absolutely killer live song. I think it's one of the best rock songs of the last 20 years. Oh, my God. Bang. he's it's. I mean, you could hear it in his voice. There's just, like, so much passion in that. Like, this would be a disaster of a karaoke song. Because there's, there's <laughs> or no the best. Way, there's no way you can capture what he's doing in this song. It's just, it's so raw. Uh, there could be a good comedy to be had. Uh, trying to hit those notes, just like to have that energy. I yeah. feel like most let's people let, couldn't couldn't let, bring let's it. Let's hear Dave in the the bottom third of the song now, closing it out. can't die if these songs still exist bringing it back to uh mr brightside the first night that heather and i kind of officially started dating we ended up in a karaoke room on the lower east side and it was like a private room with a bunch of people that we didn't know and the dorkiest guy in the room who wasn't me stood up and took a microphone and did mr brightside and oh, just no. you know the big build up and it's just coming out of my cave oh, no. i'll be doing just fine gotta be down because i want it and we were just like oh my god oh like, no it was a it was probably the first uh, time was we it? ever laughed it was probably <laughs> the first time we ever laughed at somebody together and that's how we knew oh that's nice was it like nathan fielder it was very that's an exact <laughs> cop it was very nathan fielder-esque yeah um all right that's best of you uh, I think I gave you the information on that one, Bob. Did you know it was 
The song was written following appearances at the 2004 American presidential candidate John Kerry's campaign trail. I did know and, that. And it's about breaking away from the things that confine you. I was about to say it's about breaking away from the things that confine you. <laughs> it's so. also, Bob, the biggest hit the Foo Fighters have ever had. Uh, topped at number 18, number four in the UK, number five in Australia. And, uh, you know, it's gone down, is remembered as really one of their greatest songs. So there you go. That's Fuck a surprise you, to me. I'm surprised that's the biggest. I mean, deservedly so, but surprised. Okay. Why are you being so judgy about Best well, of I thought, you, I mean, Everlong, I thought would be. That was definitely, I think, maybe the song that has the most alternative rock The biggest radio alt rock hit. Yeah. Right? Yeah, Which that makes sense. Which is fair. And probably... Is my, my favorite Foo Fighters song. We're not going to hear it because that was on right. the second album today. Uh, but you could check out The Color and the Shape on the Throwback Podcast somewhere deep in the archives. Up next, Bob, uh, this is a song you uh, selected off their Medicine at Midnight album. Uh, anything you want to say here or, should, or just let it rip? Yeah, no, let me say before we play this one, I love this song. This almost ended up on my best of 2021 playlist. And it's one of these songs where I... I can't believe it's only a year old because I feel like I've been listening to it for half my life. Mm. All right, let's hear it. Doing the verses. Verses are fine. Just good verses. But just wait. Wait till this chorus gets Oh, the in. chorus. This, by the way, is the last single released during Taylor Hawkins' lifetime. Let's listen to it. Hold on to your butts, guys. Love it. I love it. Ooh, ooh, we got some na-na-na's in there? Na-na's. This is a Foo Fighters song. There are now three types of Foo Fighters songs. (laughs) We're learning so much. I love this song. I mean, doesn't it just sound like something that's just been around? Like, I find myself Uh, singing that chorus all the time to myself. It just gets, like, stuck in my head. Now, how did you come to find it? Was it on like a Spotify new music playlist or something? How do you find new Foo Fighters songs in today's digital age? I think what I did was when the album came out, I always go on Spotify. I drag the album into a folder for like new albums for that year. Mm-hmm. And then I think I'll give I'll give most albums like a listen. And that was so track weird. one, too. So that helps you. You know, It's so weird how we listen to music nowadays. So I, like a band like the Foo Fighters, it's like, I'll give it one listen after I drag it into this folder. And listened to it and then probably dragged a couple of the songs over to another playlist. And then towards the end of the year, when we were getting ready to do our best of, I went back and I was like just going through the different songs I liked for the year and listened to it again. I was like, wait a minute. How did I? 
did I sleep on this? Did I miss this? And I would just put it on another best of playlist and just listen to it over and over again. And it just kind of sunk. It finally sunk in. But it's so weird that that's how we listen to music now when we were sleeping outside, sleeping outside, Dan, of Tapeville in 1995. <laughs> I, we can embellish a story. Yes, we to set have up a tent. one album to spend eighteen dollars on one album that you would listen to ad nauseum for three weeks at a minimum. We set up a tent a week in advance of the release and uh, there was no one online uh, when the store opened the day of. So maybe a miscalculation. Um, And then then when we got there, they were all sold out. We're like, oh no. And then a guy came over. He's like, hey, I've got, I've got two more. And he handed it to us and we said, Dave Grohl. And he winked (laughs) and then he got into a plane and he flew away. Uh, And he gave us some Mentos. It was a real nice moment. (laughs) All right. Uh, Up next is a song that I selected. It's the fourth single. Uh, from their seventh album, Wasting Light, uh, released in 2011. See, they again, Bob, we're picking these songs. These are just cherry-picked, and they're all from different eras, like separated by a few years. Uh, this is These Days. One of these days, the ground will drop out from I think the songs that I do, I am drawn to. I love their, you know, really aggressive rock songs because he has such, Dave Grohl has such an incredible rock voice, a great front man, and Taylor Hawkins was, and not it wasn't built up after he died. Like, it was well known uh, throughout the tenure of uh, his tenure with Foo Fighters that he was the, one of the best rock drummers alive. Um, but I do like these kind of hard on their sleeve uh pulling at the heartstrings, a little more anthemic um, Foo Fighters songs, because I like Roll's songwriting. I think he's a little underrated as a songwriter. I mean, I think because his radio hits are so big and so omnipresent and you hear each one of them 10,000 times, uh, whether you want to or not, you sort of limit what you think he can do to just that. But then when you dig in deeper, you find songs like that and he can do more. That was, according to Rolling Stone, Bob, the fourth best single of the year. Kind of under the radar, but again, a song that got good radio play that definitely resonates with a lot of people and... uh, I don't know, all these songs, some of these songs, this one is one of them. It's just sad. And, you know, think about where Grohl's at right now. Tyler Hawkins was his best friend. And you just wonder what the future of the of the band is. I mean, um, it's yeah, I was going to ask. I mean, it's it's a awful question to ask, but do you think the Foo Fighters are done? I don't know. I mean, they could record albums uh, still, obviously, because Grohl can play the drums. He's the best drummer alive. Um, but will they want to go on tour? I mean, that's going to be tough. And, and of course, he went through uh, everything with Kurt Cobain, Dave Grohl. It's, it's got to be really tough. I will say, Bob, that uh, 
the the tweet that got the most uh, had the most stickiness, Bob. After uh, everyone learned the terrible news, came from none other than Stephen Thomas Erlorn. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll I'll put my our differences behind us for the moment, <laughs> just to hear what he, he said. His tweet: Taylor Hawkins might have been the only drummer alive who could support Dave Grohl and not make you wish Grohl was sitting behind the kit. Wow. Yeah. Will you, you finally put your pettiness aside now, Bob, and embrace Erlewine as the greatest rock critic of his generation? When he apologizes to John McRae and, the, and everybody in Cake, then I think I'll be able to <laughs> John to McRae and everybody in Cake. I just love the way you said that. All right, let's uh, keep moving here. <laughs> the feud will live until that happens. Uh, all right, we are uh, moving on, Bob. Uh, you are up now, and you're going with a song off an EP. Uh Interesting. What do you got here, Bob? Well, uh, we could just start playing it and just know that when we decided to do this, there was one song I knew 100% was going to be on my list, and it was St. Cecilia. Nice setup. There ain't no secrets anymore. My name's been hanging on the hook outside your door. Just an old. Love this song off this EP. Don't know the story of the EP. Don't know much, but you know what I do know, Dan? What? This song is made better by some backing vocals. Oh, better not be Ben Lee. By the one and only Ben Queller. Ben Folds. Ben Queller, you were... It was a Ben. (laughs) It was definitely a Ben, and you went over over two with the Ben. It said so many Bens. Nope, the (laughs) remaining Ben. It was Ben Queller, friend of Dave Grohl's, aiding... With some Duritz-esque background vocals. I mean, this Why is basically this is basically Sixth Avenue heartache for the Foo Fighters with Ben <laughs> Queller just elevating it to the next level. And I finally got a Ben on the pod. So happy. There you go. It happened. It happened. Dave Grohl, that's why they call him the nicest guy in rock. He's always giving, doing people solids when they're in the gutter. <laughs> in the gutter? <laughs> Anybody in the indie rock scene named Ben lives in the gutter, and Dave scooped him on out. You know, if I would have been uh, even more on top of things, I would have uh, emailed Justin with a little uh, live show when Dave Grohl brought him out and uh, was just, like, super friendly with Ben Queller, just to show that, you know, Ben's, like, <laughs> ben, is hot, ben is rock and roll royalty. So. And people, like, the crowd, like, instantly started throwing, like, cliched animation garbage at, like, banana peels and... <laughs> Apple cores and the fish, a fish with the eyes X over them and the bones just pelting <laughs> the bend. Do the people draw the X eyes on or do they glue like I don't crazy know, but glue it was X's? really weird. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I like that, Bob. Regardless, this is a great, great playlist. We're doing yeah. good here, Bob. They did well. Will they do more? I don't that know. That is the question. Because, I mean, what else do you have to prove? I mean, if you're, if you're Dave Grohl who has, you know, was in Nirvana. That chapter ended, not 
mm-hmm. by choice, but that chapter ended. Went on to have the Foo Fighters for decades. If that chapter were to have ended with Taylor Hawkins passing, who could blame him? Who could blame him for maybe having a third act where it's something different? And I think the thing that sucks, uh, or one of the things that sucks about this, is you did get the vibe that they loved. They loved it. They loved the life on the road, and they they loved work, making music together. And this seemed like a band that was gonna, you know, grow old with their audience. And uh, I'm sure that's what Dave Grohl uh, probably thought too. So you have to, you know, reconfigure everything, uh, and that's difficult. I mean, you know, not to bring it back to myself, but it makes me think about Chris Wessling and, and when we lost him and and as tragic as that was and trying to figure out what to do with the podcast and we went on with the show, um, but we didn't know how to do it and, we're, you know, we're still trying to figure that out at times, although you start through reps and now as time passes. Um, but I imagine right now Grohl's not even in that place. I, that's That's right. got to be... No, it's so fresh. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's uh, keep moving, Bob. St. Cecilia off the EP, St. Cecilia. Uh, another one I like, Bob. This is off the, again, the Echo Silence Patience. And what's the third, fourth one, Bob? Echo Silence Patience and Grace. 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 Yes, I like this one a lot. It's called Long Road to Room. This may surprise you, Bob, that Long Road to Ruin topped the Billboard Modern Rock charts uh, for seven consecutive weeks and reached number two on the mainstream rock tracks in early 2008. Only peaked at 89 on the Billboard Hot 100, but that was the state of things in 2008. Um, It also uh, peaked in the top 40 on the UK singles chart and number one on the UK rock chart. So another big hit for them, the second huge hit off this album. So they were humming in 2008. And I would like consider this barely a hit it, when it comes to the Foo Fighters catalog. Just, just when you put it up next to like Hero and some of their other big songs, like it's crazy that it was that big. Yeah, sometimes it's timing. You know, with these certain songs, they come out and maybe it was a pretty, uh, it was a fallow period on the charts. And Foo Fighters, that's kind of what they did in a lot of ways too. That they propped up. I'd love to talk to Matt Money Smith about Foo Fighters and where they kind of fit in when he thinks about that era because there were, you know, bands came and they went. We talked, you know, of course, the Garage Rock Revolution and all those bands that we loved at the turn of the 2000s. They came and went for the most part. uh, And Foo Fighters just kept on rolling. Like they they lived through so many different phases of, uh, you know, musical tastes. It's it's pretty crazy. Um, All right. That is, again, Long Road to Rune. And now, Bob, we're heading back once again, 
this this album obviously made a uh, impact on you. This the once again their medicine at midnight released uh, last year. Uh, a song called Waiting on a War. Hit that, Graver. I've been waiting on a war since mm. I was young. Already in, just based on that one line. Yeah, I love this song. Since I was a little boy with a toy gun Never really wanted to be number one Just wanted to love everyone is it more to this than that? Is it more to this than that? Is it more to this than that? Is it more to this? More to this? More to this than just waiting on a world? Just waiting on a Beautiful, Bob. Yeah, this is cool. It's, you know, another one of those Foo Fighters slow burn songs that picks up eventually. But uh, yeah, it's just it's kind of cool that we we've gotten not kind of cool. It's very cool that we've gotten to, like, grow old with Dave Grohl. Mm, good one. That we we got to see him, you know, pound on the drums and then put out his own you know solo albums, the Foo Fighters, and then just like age and kind of develop as a songwriter and a musician and it's been our base our whole adult lives he's been putting out music and don't forget bob when we had uh we played the game you get to pick your three people uh, that you get to hang out with your hang guys or girls uh dave grohl was one of my guys i had dave grohl i had bill Hader, and i believe ariana grande no, I think it was Olivia Rodrigo, which was weird because she was like 14 at the, when we I don't think it was Olivia Rodrigo. It was way before um, she was famous, so it got even creepier. This conversation was before driver's license, so I know you, that's I gotta what made it. That. That's what made it extra creepy. Um, it is an unknown female at this time, uh, and yours was. I remember Rich Eisen was involved. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was mainly Eisen. I don't even know who the other two were either. Uh, Graver, the- we're going to come back to you at the end of this episode, so you're going to have some time to think about it. I want to know. Your ideal uh, three people to hang with, and they got to be celebrities, so not like my parents and my big brother. No, it's got to be like kind of celebrities that you think would be incredible hangs. Like Roll to me is such a great hang because he has stories for days, incredible musicians, and we're gonna have a maybe a drum set and a guitar in this. It's like almost like a um, a COVID bunker scenario. Uh, and, he, and he's got a great sense of humor. Hater, what a what a ball it would be with Bill Hader of SNL fame. Uh, and maybe he has some funny stories about Chris Kattan. And then I think it was Ariana Grande, but I, I'm going to come back to that. Bob was just like basically three Rich Eisens. It was and Rich Eisen because it would be, I mean, just imagine being able to hang with a dude from NFL media who's like charming and just fun to talk to and stories for days. Like that would be so nice for a change for me. And wow. then uh, I think it was Ben Folds, who, again, just a guy, just a rock legend who just can tell you ben all Folds about Ben Folds was on your list. I think so. It sounds right. Oh, Bob, that's terrible. <laughs> I mean, we weren't getting into any clubs. We were just hanging out, playing piano, and talking about Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> Lawrence Taylor was in your clique, too? <laughs> yeah, wait, was that a mistake? I think he's a little problematic. Um, all right, let's keep rolling, Bob. Uh, I believe uh, I am 
up Graver, DOA. Let's hit it. Well, you know I did it. It's over and I feel fine. Nothing you can say is going to change my mind. Waited and I waited at the longest night. Nothing like the taste of sweet decline. This one. I love all these songs. <laughs> <laughs> this is off uh, In Your Honor, DOA. Uh, it was number one on the Billboard uh, Modern Rock tra- tra- charts for six non-consecutive weeks. Uh, and again, man, he could write he could write a hook, that David Grohl. And I, I don't know what happens with Foo Fighters, Bob. Nobody does at this point. But he's going to keep making music because he's too fucking good at it. Like, the guy is just so talented. Yeah, it's crazy that this was, so this came out in 05, just how not on my radar this was, because that's not, it wasn't cool. We right. were looking, we were looking for the next big thing, and this was just there, plugging along, going to, you know, number one on rock charts, but we were like, no, but what about the Vines? What about... <laughs> the Hives. Yeah, we were just like looking for that next big thing, and this is the thing that was taking home Grammys and, you know, going to number one. And... Yeah, like, the, I'll use the Strokes again, speaking of a garage rock. We fell in love with them instantly in 2001. And then by early 2006, and I think we've covered all three of their albums in that span on this show, um, they were kind of done. And, and they popped up, obviously, through the years with different albums. We actually loved their album they put out a couple years ago. But um, Foo Fighters just kind of rolled right through that entire era, never never went on a hiatus, never took a break, kept on putting out hits. It's, again... Like, I think there are those Tom Petty parallels where they just did their own thing and they continue to build their fan base and build their career and not get caught up in any of the trappings or any of the trends. And that did oh, them well. You know, they never they never did anything vaguely unlikable, like force their album onto every iPhone in the country, whether you wanted it or not. Like <laughs> they never tried stunts like that. Like they they fell into being the biggest rock band in the world, but they weren't, you know, they never said they wanted to be, or they were never, you know, doing stunts like that. Listen, it wasn't a stunt. It was an attempt <laughs> to bring the world together, Bob. And <laughs> oh, it, oh it, that is what it was. That's made, that makes it worse. And if people would have opened their ears to songs of innocence, perhaps, <laughs> perhaps we wouldn't be in the state we oh, are wow, right now. That's a good, yeah. If we would have all just held hands and listened to, uh, what was track one on that? Oh, that would be the uh, miracle of Joey Ramone. Is that the most turned off song in the history of music? <laughs> like the most paused after 11 seconds song? Can I tell you something? That is, uh, in terms of late period U2 records, that's a pretty good album, but that is a turd of a lead single. So it kind of, it, on, on two counts, they butchered it. They butchered, and I'm going to put a lot of the blame at Apple's feet and Tim Cook of, and company. Of course. Um, but uh, we had to go. We had to come in different. We had to come in harder <laughs> than the miracle of Joey Ramone. But we didn't, and now no. we just got to move on. <laughs> so, as a nation, as a planet, <laughs> got to move on. But you guys were silly. You guys got a little too in your feelings about the whole thing. 
I didn't even I, mean, I didn't even I didn't even have an iPhone at the time, so I was okay with it. <laughs> I was enjoying it from the sidelines. Yeah, I'm sure you were. Um, all right, moving on. So that was DOA, another banger. Bob, you have one here. I think they released a series of bootlegs a la mm-hmm. Pearl Jam uh, right. a couple decades previously, and you have something here. Yeah, when you scroll through their uh, discography on Spotify, you'll see a bunch of uh, little EPs with numbers next to it. And this one, of course, Dan, is off of 00020225, obviously. That's annoying. <laughs> it's called, They're all labeled that way, and it's super annoying. It's super annoying. This one's called The One. And give it a listen. <laughs> you didn't need to add that. <laughs> A little like Primus, I come from the water right there. Bamba, 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 bamba. Everyone makes one mistake. One more time for all time's sake. One more time before the field fades. One that's born of memories. One Medella. more bruise you gave nice. to me. One more test, just how much can I take? was the one do you know what i'm asking you i do that's a old uh, high school thing we had yeah there was a kid in high school that we referred to as the one yeah you, you, you could bleep this justin it was you me. <laughs> that's right and why so we had a kid and i believe his locker was right next to yours it was yeah and he was like two or three year, grades younger than us Yes. And we decided that we were just going to, he was the one. So we would he always call one. him the one. Like, hey, it's the one. And right. We were, Did we call him that to his face? Yeah. We were always nice to him. We were never oh, like yeah, bullying. We, were nice we just called him the one. In fact, and, I remember being nice to him because he was picked on. Yeah. Or he was seen as a bit of an outcast, I think, within his grade. Um, so I don't remember if we were calling him the one to his face. But even if we did, no, we I don't did. know. How no, would he I, make remember, I remember like seeing him in the hallway with you and just be like, the one and like waving to him. Right. Yeah. That's a great nickname for anybody. Let alone, uh, he like, might, a he might be like Steve Buscemi and uh, Billy Madison uh, putting the <laughs> lipstick on. No, uh, we were nice. I don't we know nice if we're on the list one. or off the list. And we would say, I'm not the one. You're the one. He was the one. He was the one. Yeah. That one, that's, that's an old uh, bit, Bob, from almost 30 years ago that I don't know if there's any explanation for it probably doesn't need one it just lives no. in the graveyard of our past it's just one of those things that's funny to you when you're 15 or, <laughs> right. or 16 and it makes no sense at all and you can't especially you can't explain it you can't explain it 25 years later at all but, but you can try um, on a podcast why not alright let's move on that wasn't the one wasn't live though was it or was it mm-hmm. doesn't sound was that a live offering no no or? not live oh, okay. not live Interesting. They, yeah. They've always been great. Again, if you're a, a diehard Foo Fighters fan, awesome band um, to follow because they release a lot of different material, live albums, things like that. Um, they even, right before Taylor Hawkins passed away, they released a horror movie that was like yes, a music horror movie. You, Studio I hadn't 666. Checked it out. Yeah. yeah, I don't. See, my Foo Fighters fandom doesn't ride that hard. So, like, I wasn't right. really... I, I remember reading some reviews about it just because I was so kind of puzzled by it. But then when I read... More I read about it, it was like, oh, they're just, like, having fun. Like, they're yeah, dudes that, like... They enjoy spending time together and and they know they have a, a fan base that will kind of... A certain segment of the fan base is rabid and they, they get their sense of humor and they'll just eat it up and they get to make music together. It's like, okay, I get it. 
They're a good fucking band. It sucks. It sucks. Um, all right, now, up next, off the album Concrete and Gold, I remember um, HBO put out a documentary a few years back about the band. Uh, and I remember it was a really interesting premise uh, for a documentary that they went to one, like, a major American city. It was like the Huey Lewis song. Right. Only oh, is this Sonic you, Highways? It, you know, I think it was, that was the name of the documentary. Okay, and I yeah. think this was the album that came out of it, Concrete and Gold. And they would go to different cities. Uh, what was the Huey Lewis song? Uh, Rock and the, Roll is in the Heart of Cleveland or something? Yeah. <laughs> power of Love? No. No, you know, the Heart of Rock and Roll is in Cleveland. <laughs> well, Foo Fighters actually did it. They just didn't write, you know, a pretty bad song. They right. went to different cities. They met with musicians in that area and then would record songs like, I guess like taking in the, it sounds like a way to bleed a lot of money from the record label, but again, more power to the Foo Fighters. Uh, and this is the song that I remember being kind of the lead single that, or the big single that came out of it. Uh, it's called The Skies and Neighborhood. And the reason I like it is it is not in that wheelhouse of Foo Fighters songs that I'm drawn to, but I really like the beat of it. And uh, you know, more power to uh, Taylor Hawkins. Let's listen into The Sky is a Neighborhood. I just like the sound. I like the song. Yeah, it's, it's not me. like not their most catchy song or it's not even like a real radio song. I don't think it did a lot of damage. Uh, but the vibe of it is kind of like I'm into it. It's different. Yeah, it's nothing like what we've heard on this episode so far. I like it too. But, but I, I don't think I would like seek it out, but I like it. I mean, who is their true contemporary? Pearl, Ch Pearl Jam was ahead of them by about five years. And mm -hmm. did anyone else, did any other major rock band come out right in the middle 90s there and sustain a career? I think uh, they're peerless. They're, I mean. Don't say it. I don't want to say it because I know you're just going to immediately like, I'm just, it's like throwing It's just going to be something with a Ben. No, it's not. This is just throwing a piece of meat into a fucking lion's den. But technically Weezer? Oh! The Weezer's so bad now, ever since the head injury. <laughs> it wasn't a head injury. Ever since they fell off their bike and hit a no. cinder block. Weezer, Weezer is a completely unbiased fan. Wait, can you be an unbiased fan? Just completely unbiased. Yeah. Uh, after Maladroit, there were there were some dark dark years. The the Ratitude, Red Album, Hurley uh, era. But uh, keep going. <laughs> but then, in like the early 2010s, 
starting off with everything will be all right in the end. They strung you wanna, together. Do you just want to make this a, an episode down the line? Yeah. You want to save this thesis? A post-2010s Weezer episode? If you if that if you feel strongly about it, maybe maybe save this thesis. Okay, I think I can put together twelve songs that justify their continued existence. Because I believe them to be terrible in their okay. current state and have been for well over a decade. Um, but I will I will say this that you are right that um, Weezer played a sold out show at the Forum a few years back that we were at, and you that was at the height of their Toto. Uh, Era. No, I think it was was it the height. I mean, it, they just played the hits. Like they, it was a total fan service concert. Where Keith Hansen would have loved it. Keith Hansen would have been like, "Did they play Jonas? Yeah, they played Jonas. Oh, good, good, good. They play they Holly, play, Dan. They play Holly. Yeah, they did that. They played Buddy Holly. They play uh, Beverly Hills. That's where I want to live. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, you just called Hills. They played Hills, Hills Danny. <laughs> they play the greatest man that ever lived. Like, you know <laughs> no, they one? didn't play that one. They didn't go that's that pretty, deep. That's a deep cut. <laughs> I will give you Weezer, Bob. I'll give you Weezer. Okay. I just, but I'll say it's more credit to uh, Foo Fighters that they have held their uh, peak or something approximating their peak throughout the lifetime of their band, a la a Tom Petty, whereas Weezer right. to, you know, 90% of, well, all right, 85% of people that have followed Weezer's career will agree that they've fallen off very hard at this point. Well, that that great Leslie Jones, Matt Damon, SNL sketch where right. they're fighting about Weezer, that would never happen with Foo Fighters because Foo Fighters were never a laughing stock. That's true. Yeah. Let's play a quick clip from that, Justin. Come on, Justin, quick. Wait, let, let me guess. You only listen to the first two records. Hey, man, I'll go all the way up to the Green album. <laughs> yeah? Oh, you know what? You know what you sound like right now? Okay, hold on. Here's what you sound like. You sound like... Oh, I'm stuck in 1994. High school's awesome. Why don't you grow the hell up? Listen to Ratitude. Listen to Pacific Daydream. <laughs> Pacific Daydream is not music, man. No offense, but burn in hell. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's uh, that's they they encapsulated that perfectly. All right, Bob, let's keep moving here. Um, we have one more song from In Your Honor. Man, we like that one, huh? I guess we do. Yeah, we did. Got to plug um, into In Your Honor. You're up, buddy. This is mine? Yep. Oh, okay. This is No Way Back. Great <laughs> setup, bro. <laughs> Thank you. I don't remember, but it's like... Better oh, than your yeah, last one where you were like, let it roll, bro. <laughs> Also, by me. a little bit of a uh, Rolling Stones call back there. Oh. One of their rock legend brethren. Uh, pleased to meet you. Won't you take my hand? I just want to like drive down the New Jersey Turnpike at mm. nine miles an hour with the windows open, just blasting mm. that, singing along, screaming. Let's get, my face let's off. get on the Parkway. Let's get on the Parkway. No, Parkway's but, too green. Come on, I'll head down to the shore. Come on. No, let's, let's take the, the Turnpike. Foods. 
We'll take the turnpike down. <laughs> Don't miss the BQE in. or you're fucked. Yeah, I can't miss that. Uh, no, I, I, I want the I want the turnpike. I want those like four lanes deep. You want it? Yeah. But then you get to when it gets real industrial up there. Yeah, closer that's to the true. city, and that's that's a little too gritty for me. Yeah. Okay. All right, we'll figure this out. We'll, we'll take figure that out offline. exactly what interstate. In New All right, let me hear a little bit more of this, Bob, because uh, that really, we really hurt the listener with the last 31 seconds. Great, Bob. It's great. It's great. Extra, it's great. It's great. Extra appreciating those drums right now. Mm. Yeah. He was, yeah, he was such a cool-looking rock star, too. He was cool. And, Blonde you know, surfer, dude. Good-looking guy. Good-looking guy. Great, great personality. Like, really outgoing and fun. His girl is a famous, famously funny, cool dude. So, to be like his number one, like, Dan, I'm sorry to say, you would not be in Dave Roll's top three. <laughs> dude staying out with. But Taylor Hawkins was. He was like a dude that he was able to hang with Grohl, and that says a ton. Oh, man. Taylor Hawkins would have been great. Grohl, Hater, and Hawkins. A little bit of a sausage fest. <laughs> Total sausage fest, but like, <laughs> at least with Taylor, you got like a hot dude. All right. I want to now nominate as we get into the last uh, three songs here. Um, this next song um, is called Walk. It's off Wasting Light which uh, some people say is their best album came out in 2011 in terms of uh, their, you know, front to back, uh, just musically their most accomplished album. Uh, I started to really listen to it in the last few weeks after the news. And um, I might be inclined to agree. And this song, I remember when, when it was on the radio, I enjoyed it. Uh, but now it's, it's, it's a little more poignant after uh, Taylor Hawkins passed away. Here's walk. Million miles away Your signal in the distance To whom it may concern I think I lost my way Getting good at starting over Every time Again, I really like him as a um, a songwriter, Bob. It's he's not uh, showy or flashy, but I think Dave Grohl doesn't get enough credit for being um, the directness of his lyrics and also um, there's a re- relatability to it and a universal language to it all that I appreciate. Well put. Well put. You weren't listening, were you? Huh? Who? No, I was just. <laughs> I was no, I was really, I was uh, falling into that song. I was really enjoying that, but I did hear everything you said, and I agree. Oh, good. Yeah, I, again, these are the types of songs that I really like from Foo Fighters. Uh, they're a little, uh, maybe not near the top of the line with when you talk about the Pretender or Learn to Fly or Best of You, but uh, there's a kind of an emotional resonance to them that I, I really enjoy. And I want to play uh, Graver if you can help me out that. About midway through this song, it's my favorite Foo Fighters moment. And it, it reminds me a bit of um, um, 
some uh, some of the Springsteen's work where he kind of like builds to a crescendo uh, and it's got a real like like punch to it. Let's hit that. This kind of puts together all the best things about the band to me. And uh, again, like he's going back on the road without his buddy, it's going to be tough. So, uh, you know, whatever he chooses, I hope yeah, he's in a good place with that. Uh, yeah, so that is, I don't know, that might be my favorite song of theirs. Like Under the Radar? Yeah. I mean, it has a little bit of everything. That's a real that, punch that in the heart great, balls, That is Bob. a great moment. Yeah. You know, the old heart balls. Really oh, yeah, nice. the balls deep in your heart. Yes. Or is yeah, it the heart yeah. deep in your or is it the heart deep in your balls? No one ever knows. I know. No one ever truly knows. The greatest that's why philosophers have spoken about it for generations. <laughs> uh all right, Bob, you have uh one more song you want to choose off the There Is Nothing Left to Lose. Again, the first album that uh Taylor Hawkins played on. I believe he split drums on this album with Dave Grohl. And then um starting with that subsequent tour and then everything onward. Hawkins was the drummer and like the great Stephen Thomas Airline said to be able to take over as the drummer of Foo Fighters is one of the um, uh, stressful things you could do. And that's something that Taylor Hawkins said in interviews, even to this like near the end of his life when they would be in a recording studio. He said it was always a lot of anxiety playing drums uh, for Dave Grohl. Now, think about that as we again talk about their future Who's going to come in and play drums, replacing Taylor Hawkins, who stepped in for Dave Grohl? It, it's it's tricky. It, it's almost like it would have to be someone. Wait, it's tricky. They got tricky from the live song Simple Dream. <laughs> it's, do, are you breaking news right now? Wow. If, if there was one man who could do it, it is tricky. <laughs> it I, is tricky. I believe and I trust him. Um, anyway, I was thinking about that. But here, we, the first uh, album with Taylor Hawkins and a song that I adore as well, Bob. This is a great pick. this makes you feel good Bob God this this takes me back to college and it takes me back to a time when the Foo Fighters had not put out a song like this yet and just kind of showed what else they can do 
Mm. You know, after the color and the shape and their first album, it was a lot of alternative rock and, you know, heavy guitars. And this song to me was just a completely new experience from the Foo Fighters. And I loved it right away. Uh, it is the third single off There Is Nothing Left to Lose. Spin Magazine proclaimed the song a power ballad in the Wonderwall sense, remarking that the band are at their loveliest when aping peak popularity Britpop. Okay, I could buy into that. Sure, yeah. This reminds me of, um, you know, that era of, like, filter, take your picture. Ah, like, yeah. That kind of song. Right. And uh, you know, Bob, because I know you're a huge fan of the program, which actually filmed... Uh, often in our hometown of Pearl River, New York. It was the theme song for the NBC television series, Ed. Of course it was. Ed. I mean, I don't think I've maybe saw half an episode of Ed once. I know it was heartwarming. I know Whatever it was heartwarming. It was. Wasn't our friend Chris Carley in it as well a couple of times? I, I think Chris Carley was in every project connected to the entertainment industry in this era, so yes, I'll say he was. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, Michael Ian Black, right? Wasn't he an Ed? MIB in a MIB. big spot. Yep. <laughs> anyway. The other dude. <laughs> the I mean, other one dude. of the, the best show about bowling up until uh, Pete Holmes's How We Roll, which just premiered. Oh. So oh, it's been a long, it's been a long, it's empty, long dry spell of bowling TV shows. The but. show at one of the set pieces was a, a jewelry store um, that was in Pearl River in our little downtown of the village there. And it was the jewelry store, my go-to place to buy ladies' jewelry in that era of my life. And by sure ladies, enough... By ladies, you mean like 11-year-old girls, because you were also 11 and 12 years old, right? No. No, Ed was 2000 to 2004, bro. Oh, but the place in town, which was around like our entire <laughs> lives, right? Are you talking about Elephant's Trunk? No, it was the one next to Elephant's Trunk, where I bought Kara Stevenson a necklace there for our sixth grade dance. Oh, uh, yeah. No, it's across the street from Elephant's Trunk. Uh, oh, okay. On the corner there by the old bakery. Got it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I ever bought a lady uh, anything there. Yeah. But they have Ed stuff all over the walls, bro. Nice. In a big spot. Uh, there it is. I love that song. Great song. Great video. Just it, The video captures the feel of just floating through space. That song is so 1999. It's so 99, 2000. In all yeah. the best ways. Yes. Not the bad side of 99, 2000. There was no bad side. Well, uh, yeah. Un- there's some unfortunate shit that went down. You're right, Bob. Things were brewing. <laughs> <laughs> Just going to say it. Things were brewing, bro. Things were percolating. <laughs> Things were perking up. All right. Let's close it out like this, Bob. Um, so if you are someone who uh, is upset about uh, Taylor Hawkins and you knew the band well, you certainly followed their career um, on uh, through the years. And every time they had an album that came out, they went on Howard Stern. And uh, Stern was very good with uh, first Dave Grohl and then eventually Taylor would start joining him. And the two of them would go on the show and be interviewed together. And um, that was like the famous uh, acoustic version of Everlong uh, that got played on K-Rock and then spread across the country. K-Rock in New York uh, was originally from the Howard Stern show. Uh, and there was also a version of My Hero and Seek It Out. Pause it right now. If you if you want to see the admiration uh, that Taylor Hawkins had for Dave Grohl and the relationship that they had, uh, there is a performance that Dave Grohl does um, on acoustic guitar 
of my hero off the color and the shape. Uh, and Taylor Hawkins is just sitting on this like uh, love seat next to Dave Grohl. And he just like he kind of tucks his legs up uh, and has his like chin on his knee. And he just watches his buddy Dave play guitar and sing this song in like the most authentic way. It's kind of heartbreaking, but also really sweet um, for the purposes of I so seek that out. That's my favorite acoustic version of my hero. But they also put out an album called Skin and Bones uh, a decade ago or so that had um, different arrangements of a lot of their hits. And I want to play a portion of My Hero from that album, which is also excellent, um, that re reminded me, Bob, of when we did the Tom Petty podcast after his um, sudden passing. Uh, we played the Learn to Fly uh, live version that was slowed down and uh, really kind of, again, an old shot there in the old heart downstairs area. Uh, this one similarly hits for me with the use of a piano. So here's my hero live from the um, live from Los Angeles off Skin and Bones. Truth or consequence, say you Use that evidence, race it Nice, right? It's nice. I like it. So there you go, Bob. There is our 15 songs. And I, I would say if you are a fan of the band or casually aware of their music and you like this playlist, we could either leave this as is or we could help you supplement it with some of the best songs of their first two albums and then voila, you have our supreme Foo Fighters playlist, but for the purposes of today and for time reasons and for Taylor Hawkins reasons, this is everything post-99 that really stood out to us. No, I'm glad we did this because, you know, we've talked about the first two albums and, you know, I think we're, we've been honest of sort of our relationship with the Foo Fighters and, you know, it takes, sadly, it takes something like the death of Taylor Hawkins to make you sort of step back and listen with fresh ears and kind of experience things for either again or for the first time and uh, kind of appreciate what it what it's been because I don't think I ever really in the you know last couple of decades really gave it its due until it took this horrible thing for me to really give it another listen well said Bovi um, alright now we have to thank some people, though, as we always. We do. Of course. We have to thank our Patreonies on patreon.com slash throwbackpod for, for sticking with us, Dan. They're still here. Even when yeah. we're, even as we try to, like, figure out how to do this with me on the other side of the country, as we enlist No one help. complains. That's no why we like you guys. you guys. You guys, you guys get are the it. best. You guys you get, get it. it. You get that we have challenges. You get that we have families and jobs and 
don't care so much and you just roll with us. Well, see, the don't care thing, I feel like when you say that, <laughs> then it kind of makes us look bad because I think we do care about when we say we're going to do something we want to deliver because uh, we told you we would. But thank you for understanding that it's it's hard. It's hard to do this sometimes. So thank you for sticking with us. Thank you to everybody kicking in every month. You're the reason we're still doing this. And uh, well, we, we do it because we have fun and it gives us a reason to um, drink either alone or together in garages. Right. But uh, thank or you. Together thank with you, the internet. You. So that's cool. Together that's cool with, the, with internet. the internet. Internet, friend or foe, Bob? Oh, oh, the net, bro? I'm all about the net, the world The information superhighway. The informa- info superhigh. Info yeah. super high, bro. <laughs> Nobody does that. Nobody calls it that. Info super high. Uh, super thank high. you to our, our top tier Patreones, including the one and only Bruno, the sponsor, who someday will have internet himself. Mr. Crackhour himself out there <laughs> on a big old rusty bus in the woods. Kleine and Nancy in a separate rusty bus in uh, the deserts of Australia. The Outback? That, that could yeah, be the name the of their da- dad band if they're fathers, <laughs> uh, the rusty bus. <laughs> the rusty bud. That sounds like something else. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Mancy and Kleine over in the Outback. Thank you to Courtney and Wyatt holding down the fort here kids, in the US. Those crazy kids. Those crazy kids. And of course, the newest sponsor, Miles. Miles. Thank you, Miles. Miles, I'm still waiting to hear about how that Regrets concert went. The Regrets have a new album coming out this week. Very excited about that, said the old creepy man on the <laughs> podcast. With the young woman singing. Um, Bob, the Courtney Wyatt are from Australia, yay? Or no, that's... that's no, it's Kleine and Mancy. Uh, Kleine and Mancy. They should know that we are all about gang of youths right now. We're going to see them in concert in a month. Dude, I've basically listened to nothing but gangs of youth for the past month. I, yeah, I have a massive announcement to make uh, on that front, but I'm not ready to share it on this episode. But something okay. big's coming down the pipeline. That's okay. all I'll say. Good, because I mean, it's fucking crazy. Before Can't we wait for that concert, yeah, it's going to be amazing. Before we uh, pick the song to go on the Throwback Podcast playlist, let's bring back in Justin Graver. He is not the grave digger. That intellectual property belongs to around the NFL and the National Football League and its uh, related <laughs> properties. Uh, Justin, um, younger, better looking version of Bob. Um, <laughs> Although, like younger, I don't know. I feel like we can kind of like, like all right, you, twin it would brother be a competition, type. perhaps. Yeah. Um, it is time now to reveal your big three. Uh, your hang. All right. I've given this a lot of thought. I want the vibes to be kind of fun, chill, yep. kind of funny. Eisen esque so, is what you're saying? Yeah, definitely. But I don't want to steal off anybody else's list. So okay. I was thinking first, Charles Barkley. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's good. good start. That's good pull. Good pull. He can talk sports and basically anything in the world. And I anything. think it's going to be fun and funny. Uh, Don't catch him in a bad mood, but yeah, I think he's basically pretty uh, genial at this point. Roll deep, too, because if he wants to start betting on things, you got to be able to hang. (laughs) That's true, although I'm not allowed to do that. Um. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're safe here. You're safe here. In this world, you can do anything you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can kill a guy. You'd be fine. I think that's (laughs) how it works. I'll contemplate that. Um, My next guest would be Snoop Dogg, because- Did you say you would contemplate killing a guy? Well, if I could, <laughs> he's going to take free. this opportunity and run with it. Come on, does this connect to the other thing we talk about on the podcast with you? <laughs> uh, no. Leave it there. Leave it there. A uh, Snoop Dogg. All right, another good one, man. You are going to get. You're going to have a lot of fun. 
Mm-hmm. So I like to hot. like to toke it up a little bit, and yeah. uh, Snoop would be probably <laughs> lot, providing some or like of that. way too or way too much. <laughs> Get some great stories hang, great from hang. like the classic like like rap era of of West Coast LA stuff, and mm-hmm. then finally Conan O'Brien. Let's throw. Oh, a that's a great there. one. That's a great one. He'd have oh. how many people has he interviewed? Everyone in the world. Oh, that's a great one. I'm yeah. actually really mad about that because I love Conan so much. All right. Well, listen, you did it. You did you it. killed cool. it. Justin, thank you right. uh, for helping out and uh, pinch hitting Hold here. Hold on. I, I don't think Justin is done yet. I think we need help picking a song to put on the throwback podcast Ooh, that's a Spotify great way playlist. to do it. Oh, right? Bobby. Because as we were looking at this list, I'm like, I don't know how to pick one. I know so you don't know how to pick to one. Justin. You don't know fucking anything. So we need help. Oh, Justin's right like, song. I have not been listening at all <laughs> for the no, past just, 90 minutes. Now I'm like, should I should I pick one that I've loved forever or one that I learned about tonight? Well, That's Justin, I will say we always try not to be obvious. We have a couple of, you know, I mean, obviously a lot of these songs were hits, but I would say you would want to we don't want to tell you how to think, but maybe stay away from the first three songs um, mm-hmm. uh, because yeah, it's fair because of for that reason. Exactly. Like everyone knows them. Uh, if you want to pick something from the rest of the list, uh, and then we understand we're putting you under a lot of pressure here, so we apologize, but that's, that's, you might get upwards of one angry tweet. (laughs) And by angry, I mean like it would come from like somebody born in 1980. Who's like, come on, man. That's about it. (laughs) Um, all right. Well, it's your podcast, so feel free to veto this, but I think I really liked the sky is a neighborhood. Oh, wow. interesting. I like it. All right. And that one I, w- I was unfamiliar with before, so I'm glad I was here tonight. Off Concrete and Gold, The Skies and Neighborhood. Check out Sonic Highways on HBO if you want to learn more about the making of that song. I think. I'm pretty sure yeah, it was it on that Yeah, it sounds right to me. Yeah. It sounds right. Uh, all right, Justin on the ones and twos. Thank you to everybody for your patience. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Taylor Hawkins and Dave Grohl and Pat Smear and the other guys from Foo Fighters for all the amazing music. And thank you, Bob, for, uh, you know, getting on the old uh, soup high all the way in Atlanta to do the show today. This, you know what, felt this was fun. Having Justin here makes uh, life so much better. I would love to to bang out a few more of these while I'm here because it uh, it was nice. It was nice to uh, come home and uh, not talk about or write about or think about Lego for an hour and a half. So thank you mm, for that. That's nice. That's yeah. nice. All right. Uh, thank you again, everybody. And remember what STE said. Taylor Hawkins might have been the only drummer alive who could support Dave Grohl and not make you wish Grohl was sitting behind the kit. And remember, what da- and remember what Dave Grohl said. Ben Queller's cool. Oh, no. Can we end with that? No? Well, 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 it's too late. You did it. Got it. See ya. Sound!